Now, formal, in the cultivation of an awakened life, formal meditation certainly plays a very pivotal role. But formal meditation, everything that we do on a cushion, everything that we do on a walking path, I think if it is really truly to be a path of awakening, then that needs to be in dialogue with wise speech, with wise action, with wise livelihood with wise effort and concentration and mindfulness, with wise intention and wise view. You know, 2,600 years ago, people came to the Buddha, of course, with exactly the same dilemmas that we face, all of us face, in our own lives. What do we do with the realities of aging, sickness, death, What do we do with the reality of an often tormented and tortured world? What do we do with the experiences of loss and confusion and despair? And the Buddha's answer to those dilemmas and those questions actually was never just to say, sit more. The Buddha answered those questions when he responded to those questions. He responded with the encouragement to investigate, to look more deeply, to look at the causes of suffering and torment, to look at the end of suffering and torment, moment to moment, and to look at the path that brings about a mind, a heart that is liberated, that is free, that is compassionate, that is engaged, and to look at that cultivation in every moment and in every circumstance of our lives. If you look at the entirety of this teaching, we see that truly it is a cultivation of everything that is healing and liberating, everything that is ennobling. And when the Buddha spoke about the Noble Eightfold Path, the cultivation of an awakened life, he was really speaking about the cultivation of a noble heart and a noble life. We look at the teaching, it's really a teaching that guides us, it shows us a way to let go moment to moment of everything that ties us to confusion, that leads to us to undermine our capacities for loving kindness and compassion, to let go of everything that sabotages the clarity of our own hearts and minds. And so the, the Buddha, I think one of the genius, the way in the way the Buddha was such a genius is that he, he didn't just you know, send people off into the woods or send people off into solitude. He really laid down this very clear framework that is accessible to all of us, the framework that is dedicated to the cultivation of a noble heart. He spoke about the, cult, the foundations of, of generosity, the foundations of ethics, the foundations of, of cultivating a collected and gathered mind, and how all of these really are the conditions for understanding. They are the conditions for compassion. It is that cultivation, it is why we are here. <coughs> It is why we practice. 
It is why we look within ourselves what does us, it mean for us, each one of us, to live a noble life, to cultivate a noble heart moment to moment. Now, all of you who have ever practiced before, and I believe all of you have, you will know, and it is often said, that the road to liberation is not paved. And the cultivation of a noble heart is not necessarily an uh, an easy cultivation. But in many ways, the nobility of heart and mind that we seek to bring into being. It is born of our willingness to embrace the bumpiness of the road. Each moment in our days here, to be able to ask ourselves what it is that we are cultivating, what it is that we are committed to. And sometimes the challenges of the path are truly there because, as the Buddha so is often stated, that to, this is swimming against the tide. It is swimming against the tide of our own internal habits, and sometimes it is actually swimming against the tide of some of our social and cultural values and mores. When the, in the sense of, of cultivating the nobility of heart, cultivating this attitude, the art, the spirit of meditation, very much that is really born of, of looking at, really being mindful of the intentions that we bring to our practice, the intentions that we bring to being here on this retreat, to be able to ask ourselves, why is it that we practice? Why is it that we sit, that we walk, that we undertake this path of awakening, which is not easy? And in truth, nobody can actually answer that question of why except ourselves. But sensing that to to really bring a sense of loveliness to this practice. For our own practice to be one, really, a sense of loveliness, it is directly linked to the kind of attitude that we bring to being here. Now, in acknowledging that for most people they become aware of the ways that they sort of transfer kind of habit patterns of their lives into their meditation practice. You know, so if you're a great striver in life, you're very likely to start out as a heroic striver in meditation. You know, if you very excel in kind of judgment in your life, you probably find that there's plenty a fertile ground here for the inner critic to get busy with. You know, if you find that in your life you tend to be a bit more lackadaisical, you know, and, you know, kind of, you know, whatever happens is far out, you know. Well, you know, you'll probably run into a breath or two here during the week. Um, But to be aware that this is what happens. But that is actually one of the things that we question. 
Because I think approaching this practice in a way which is really awakening, really taking us out of the field of habit, means approaching this retreat in a very intentional way, a very committed way. And some of that sense of intentionality we will explore much more in the talks over the week. As I say, there are three key intentions that the Buddha talked about. Renunciation, the willingness to let go. Kindness, the willingness to embrace all things without blame, without judgment. The willingness to welcome, befriend all things. And the intention of compassion. The willingness not to be intimidated by suffering. The willingness to extend that boundless heart that can embrace the difficult, that can embrace the painful without fear. It is those kind of three very key elements of intentionality that bring even from the first day of a retreat a sense of loveliness that ennoble, ennoble the practice. Renunciation, kindness, compassion. Okay, so, Catherine. Welcome, everyone. Lots of familiar faces. Some new ones. Very, very warm welcome to Gaia House. And we have seven days together to practice this craft and this art. And I think this is probably the ninth or tenth year that I've had the privilege to be here at New Year's and serve this retreat and it really is, really does feel like a refuge coming here. Always feels like a refuge coming in, particularly at this time of year where, you know, already just on the phone to various members of my family hearing the, the strain at that little department of the family's Christmas and this one over here and just really so much gratitude for the refuge of our practice that... For all of us here, I imagine, who all have practice background, that there is a way that coming back to a refuge, so for none of you this is the first time, but coming back to a place of practice where we can sit and see that the causes and conditions for happiness and for suffering lie in our minds. So following on from Christina, take a moment to reflect, if you will, what is it that brings you here? Right? She said the question in a way that only you can answer. What motivates you to spend this time here? And it may be that there's a few surface reasons, you know, like, yeah, I'm a a holiday escapee, or... You know, enough kith and kin for a while. Or 
you know, whatever it may be, I don't want to go to the sales or whatever it might be. There may be a few kind of surface things that, or it may even be, I come every year, it's what I do. But if we're willing to stay with the question a little bit longer, what is it that brings you back to a place of refuge and a place of practice? What is it that you care about most in these arts and crafts of the path? What is it that you love about the Dharma? Because I would guess that no one would come back to sit and walk and be with their own mind without some spark, or maybe a a big spark or a roaring fire, but some spark of what they love about these teachings of going deep. What is it that moves you? at this time of year, right here and now, for this retreat, not the one you did four months ago, ten years ago, but this retreat, what is really current and alive in you that means you're willing and that you want to sit and walk and see deeply? Sometimes it's the, you know, the experiences that have been like beacons to us in the past, where we maybe have glimpsed beyond the appearance of things, beyond our rigid views about how things are, about ourself, about the world. And of course, we know and we know all too clearly the, the caution that we, we don't try to get those experiences back. We can't. It's not relevant. It's not the point. But there may be things that are like beacons for us, that draw us closer, that call us back to the cushion, to the places of silence and solitude. Because a retreat isn't just about putting in the time. And if I reflect back, and maybe those of you who have sat a number of retreats may see the difference between practice when you're just putting in the time And practice when you really know, when you're really in touch with that small spark of what you deeply care about in all of this. What interests you? What moves you about the world and yourself? So we're not just here to put in time and to take some time tonight to really reflect on what is current for you, what moves you to come and give yourself to these days. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you want to stop and seek refuge. Maybe you want to find out what happens. You've seen so far in your practice and you want to go deeper. And this is a really important reflection because we don't want to just put in time as much as we can to remember what it is that brings us here. And that way we have some contact with the fuel, the fuel <coughs> of what's possible for us, of going cl- getting close to what is possible for us. And I looked in the um, Guy House schedule just now 
And this retreat is called Stillness and Insight, the New Year's Retreat. Right? So we give some attention to the fact that it's New Year's. Right? I was meeting with somebody earlier and she said, um, yeah, I've, I want to just do a reckoning. I want to do a reckoning. I've had various things going in this year and I just want to kind of take stock. I just want to kind of land with myself, to use this time as a punctuation, she said, to stop. <laughs> and there is a way that this can be a very natural time for that, that the, we're just past the shortest night, no, longest night, shortest day, just past the shortest day where nature is dying back is becoming less expressive compared to the summer when sometimes there's more of the outer focus. The trees are in bloom, the flowers are in bloom, the sun might be shining, and there can be more of an external focus. That this time of year can lend itself very well to the inner turn, to the turning inward. The hours of darkness supporting that quietitude Supporting the stopping. Because so for so many of us, our lives can be a, a kind of toppling forward from the momentum of our life or a getting ready or bracing ourselves for the next thing. Anyone experienced that ever? Right? The toppling forward, recovering from getting ready for. And a place of refuge is somewhere where we can breathe out and stop really stop to be able to listen to that which calls us deeper (coughs) that which perhaps doesn't call so loudly (coughs) as our kind of busy mind but to give some real attention to that which maybe whispers more quietly at first for us There's a winter phrase that I love from Meister Eckhart where he says, Love winter when the trees say nothing. So we're all invited to this silence. The silence that is beyond just the appearance of silence, which is that you don't talk to each other. But the silence that can take us deeper. That's something about that that we recognize and we love. So please, tonight, too, take some time to reflect on what brings you here. And to be invited deeply into the refuge of this place, this place that is dedicated to practice, to awakening. To let yourself arrive. 
to unpack your things and to be ready to give yourself as fully as you are able to this precious opportunity. So I look forward to meeting with some of you over the days and wish you a very full and rich retreat. Also, very much like to extend my welcome to everybody here, and welcome to this retreat, and welcome to Guy House. And just to pick up a little bit and follow on what Catherine said, it's well, I don't know. I, I would think that everyone here, everyone in this room right now, is actually does have an awareness, does have a sense of the preciousness of the opportunity. Just as Catherine was speaking and throwing these questions out. What am I doing here? What do I want? What's, what's important? And just to have a week dedicated to asking those questions, to clearing the space, uh, clearing the environment, to inner and outer, that we have the opportunity to ask those questions in a sustained, focused, clear, silent way. It's a very precious opportunity. It's not something that's available to all of humanity, even if they uh, would want to make it available to themselves. It's, it's some, something important to reflect and, and, in a way, draw close to that sense of preciousness. So we come with intentions, with noble intentions, with beautiful intentions. Sometimes they're clear to us, our intentions. I, I want to explore this, I'm curious about that, I want to open this, or this I would like to let go of, whatever. And sometimes they're not so clear, it's more that the heart feels a yearning, a vague pulling, a vague uh, spark. And that's okay either way. But we come driven by our intentions, and that's, a, that's actually a very powerful and beautiful thing. Intentions, uh, like all things, come and go. They come and go. So we may be in this moment, and as Catherine was asking the question, maybe some people in the room feel very fired up with that, very uh, alive to the sense of what the intentionality is, very present with that, very clear. There's, there's a sense of vitality there, a sense of connection there. Maybe not. Maybe we're tired, maybe we have too much pressure recently, whatever it is. So the sense of intention and the energy behind it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows like all things. Even if we feel on fire tonight with that, even if that's the case, there will come a point probably at some point tomorrow, where it's kind of not so present. Okay. And then it comes back and it goes... One really important thing about intention is its impermanence, its, its fluctuating nature, its ebb and flow. 
And a beautiful thing is that we can nourish our connection with, with the life of, of our deep intentionality. We can take care of that the way we would tend a garden. We can address its needs. We can do what we can to support uh, the, the sense of connection with it, the clarity about it, the energy behind it. Partly that's what a retreat is. So this whole environment that we sort of walk into, very carefully kind of tailored and set up and thought about, reflected upon, so that we all can devote ourselves as fully as possible to the, the depth of our intention and the, the realization and the connection with our intention. So everything about the retreat is kind of in the service of that. And there's three things in particular I just briefly want to touch on that really support our, uh, the life of our intentionality. And the first one is the silence. So for almost everyone here, it's uh, not your first retreat and, and you have some familiarity with the silence. It can be that silence has grown to be over the years of practice, or maybe it was immediately, something that we're in love with. There's a sense of beauty and depth and mystery in silence that just uh, embraces the heart, calls the heart, calls the being at a very deep level. And for others, it's, it's a little more daunting. It feels a little more oppressive, a little more awkward, uh, a little bit weird why all these people would be sitting together and not talking to each other. Or for others, it's just a kind of rule that we're supposed to kind of get by with for a week. But really not to underestimate the power of the silence. There's immense potential transformative power in the silence. So as much as we give a lot of detailed attention to the meditation instructions and and, uh, the, the techniques and the art and craft of meditation... Part of the art, we could say, of meditation is this um, surrendering to silence. So powerful and so easy for us to overlook it. Silence is one of the things that allows our sense of intentionality to kind of grow and settle in its its most uh, natural place. So what is deeply important to us can kind of show itself in the silence, one of the functions of silence. All the things, many of the things that we get so caught up with in life, actually not what we most deeply care about. How easy it is to move through life, through the days, through the months, through the years, with a lot of our energy and time spent chasing things, fixing things, doing things that we actually don't deeply care about. And sometimes within that to get confused or, or a little unsure about what we deeply care about, a little disconnected from that. It's one of the functions of silence to reconnect us with that. So there's a real preciousness also in silence. It's quite rare for people to be able, human beings, to be able to find this kind of space of silence, a week of silence. Quite a rare opportunity in the, the busyness, the noise of of our usual lives. So real, uh, you know, real encouragement to really give yourself fully to the silence this retreat on all kinds of levels. So just maintaining silence, just <laughs> keeping silence. One is supporting one's own practice but also supporting everyone else's practice here. 
And you, you will see, and many of you know, as the days go by, the silence gets more palpable, more tangible. It's almost thick, the silence. There's something there that's supporting practice very deeply. If you and I give ourselves, surrender to the silence, we're actually supporting that happening for everyone, supporting that to be available for everyone. So there's just the keeping of the silence. There's also the possibility of actually listening to silence. What is that quality? It's an absence in a way, in a way at one level. What would it, we talk, as I said, we talk a lot about meditation practice. What would it be to actually just open the being to the quality of silence? And just listen and let it embrace, surrender to it. Sometimes, as I said, it can feel a bit disconnected socially for all these people, all of us to be together and not really talk much. And yet if we do uh, allow the being to open to the silence, to be held in the silence, one can begin to open to a sensitivity, actually feel a whole other kind of connection running in and through the silence. We're with each other in the silence, feeling each other, sensing each other, supporting each other in the silence. And it does, as I said, silence has this incredible power to transform the heart and the life. Incredible power. So it starts with this agreement, this noble silence. Um, Some of you will, well many of you actually, will be sharing rooms. And if it turns out that you are in a room with a friend, um, please together to agree to keep uh, the silence of the retreat and this noble silence until the end. Or if you haven't said hello to your roommate, just introduce yourself and and then to keep. And there will be a chance to talk at the end of the retreat. I guess over the recent months and years it's become more and more evident that for many people on retreat the silence doesn't seem to extend to the mobile phone. And so please, 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 please every encouragement to just turn it off. Just really turn it off. And uh, either put it, bury it in the bottom of your suitcase or give it to the managers if you really don't feel that you can actually get through seven days without the mobile phone. It's possible that there will be, you know, uh, mobile anonymous uh, soon. It's almost in the culture that it's, it's something we can't do without. Um, whether it's actually speaking or texting on the grounds or off the grounds, some of you may have an emergency situation at home or uh, a relative that's ill or a partner or whatever. And if there is an emergency situation... Either you could give the information to the managers, the phone number, etc., and they will contact you immediately when they hear anything. Or if you need to check your mobile, please go off the grounds and do it just a little. But if, if that isn't going on, please just turn it off. All I can say is it can seem like it's really not a big deal. It seems like, well, what difference does it make? I'm mostly quiet, yet I'm doing a little texting or checking my messages or whatever. Um, if it seems like that, all, all I can really say is you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. There's something that runs through the silence that is worth so much more than just kind of being in contact in the ways that we're used to for a few days. So please, 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 please 
do that. So the silence is one thing uh, that we really support each other with. Also encouragement to, in a way, surrender to a quality of simplicity. So this quality of simplicity also very much supports our intention, supports the depth, the clarity of of our lovely and noble intentions. So it's a time of year when not many people are well, some of you may have a kind of two weeks off or something, but if there is a piece of business or something that you need to clear tonight, please do that tonight and just take care of it tonight. And then similarly with the silence, just to give yourself to that quality of simplicity. Everything's taken care of here, the food, the room, the you know what you're supposed to be doing at any time of the day. Very, very simple. So to surrender to the simplicity, to the schedule, One of the attractions of this kind of tradition, insight meditation tradition, for a lot of people is the simplicity. So we talk a lot about bare attention, simple simplicity of connection, of mindfulness. Let that simplicity run deep. What would that be? In that and through that simplicity, it's as if we can draw closer to life, become more intimate with ourselves and with our experience. That's one of the most uh, profoundly precious things about this kind of practice. In that intimacy, in that closeness, what might flower, what might emerge? So the silence is simplicity. The third thing is the precepts, which I think manager uh, mentioned. I'm just going to briefly go through them again. So we have five guidelines that really help our being here together as a community of practitioners so that we can be here in an environment of trust, of openness, of safety, so that we can create together a situation where we don't have to be on our guard, we don't have to watch out, we don't have to wonder what someone might be up to behind our backs. There's a sense that the heart can let go, can open, because there's trust here. Really, really crucial. So just to run through them briefly again, the the precept not to harm, including uh, other living beings, insects, to try to refrain from harming and killing other living beings. To uh, try to not take what is not given. Again, everything's provided for here. Everything's kind of taken care of. There's something you need just to contact a coordinator, a manager. The third one is around sexual activity. And outside a retreat, it just means to take care, to treat our sexuality with respect and um, reverence so that we're, uh, the way we are sexually is not abusive in any way or not taking advantage in any way. In the context of this retreat, it's... Uh, to refrain from any intentional sexual activity. It's just, again, it's just simple. It's just simple for a week. It's not to say there's anything wrong with that at all. It's not to say that sexual feelings might not come up. And that's all part of our being human, one of the lovely parts of being human. But just for the sake of the safety, the simplicity, the ease of uh, allowing ourselves to go deep, to, to commit to a week of intentional abstinence. Fourth precept has to do with speech, and outside of our life, it means outside of a retreat life, it means to uh, 
not to endeavor not to lie, not to speak harshly, not to gossip, and not to engage in idle chatter. And again, very simple on this retreat, it will mostly be the noble silence. So it just takes care of actually what's for most people the most difficult preset, just putting it aside and just give ourselves to the silence. And the last one, the fifth one, has to do with uh, intoxicants and substances that, abu- uh, that cloud the mind. And so to really reflect how much clarity and how much sensitivity we need to do a practice like this. It's really, this kind of practice is about clarity, it's about sensitivity. They're indispensable kind of ingredients, what we need. So to support that, and again to support the, the uh, mutual respect, the mutual care, the mutual safety of the community together for a week, uh, we just, again, totally abstain from any substances like alcohol or drugs for the week. So to see these precepts uh, as really expressions of love to oneself and to everybody here, actually to humanity, of respect and of care and of supporting each other's practice. Something very beautiful can be allowed here through our uh, together committing to to those precepts, those ethical guidelines. Okay, that's all I want to say tonight. And also just to wish you a very lovely retreat, a very fruitful retreat. We'll end the evening with a short sit, but if you'd like to take just a moment or two to stand up and stretch your legs, then go ahead. So each morning in the sitting period after breakfast, um, we will be offering some instructions and and encouragement around developing the formal practice over the week. Um, So this evening, just to make this just a... I know many of you have been traveling today and are probably weary just to make this just a short sitting period. So if you just take a few moments really to be as upright in your body, in your posture as you're able to be.
bringing into your body, into your posture, that manifestation of alertness, of wakefulness. And bringing your attention, bringing your mind into your body, sensing your body's posture, aligning your attention too with that, those qualities of alertness and wakefulness. And rest in your attentiveness within your body, within this moment. Also within the silence, taking some moments just to listen. To listen to the silence and to the sounds that arise and pass in the silence. Again, gathering, collecting your attentiveness, aware of your body, aware of your breathing, moving within your body. With each out-breath, a sense of letting go of some of the busyness, the preoccupations. Breathing in, calming the body. Breathing out, calming the body. Breathing in, calming the mind. Breathing out, calming the mind.
And in the last few minutes of the sitting, taking some moments just to reflect on the intentionality, the attitude you're bringing to be here on this retreat. Reflecting on perhaps what it is you are committed to cultivating. What it is you may be dedicated to bringing into being and deepening the qualities of heart and mind that are conducive to a life of kindness, compassion, clarity. Again, just coming back to rest in a spacious attentiveness. It includes your body, your mind. Stillness and the sounds. May all beings live with kindness. May all beings live with compassion. May all beings live with wisdom.
I would uh, encourage you as much as you're able to this evening to really settle into being here, certainly to taking care of any outstanding business that you need to take care of. Um, yeah, to find your ground, to find your sense of space here. Uh, tomorrow morning, acknowledging that many of you are probably somewhat tired, we won't have an early morning scheduled sitting tomorrow. So if the wake-up bell could be rung at 6.45, and then breakfast will be at 7.30. If you, of course, happen to be awake earlier, please feel very welcome to come and sit, and that sitting will be ended by the breakfast bell, which you will hear. Um, I would encourage you this evening to begin to slow down. You know, they, it's sometimes a real physical adjustment to to settle into a retreat. You know, so much of our our life can be spent always on the way to somewhere, and here it's good to acknowledge you actually have arrived. You know, you're not on the way to somewhere else, but to step back from that momentum of, of busyness in the body, you know, the hurry, the haste in the, in the body, it, it doesn't mean that you have to be super slow, but kind of to, be, to relax and to be upright and in a way to, to keep bringing your, your mind and body to be together in the same place. Hmm? So just to relax, to be upright, to be, but to let go of the busyness. So breakfast tomorrow, entering into that silent day, followed by the, many of you will have a work period after breakfast, not everyone. Um, but if you do, also, I really encourage you to embrace the work period in, this, in a spirit of mindfulness. Which again doesn't mean chopping one carrot in 45 minutes, but it does mean that, you know, not necessarily because you're working that you get into the habit of working. You know, that, that kind of fix and do kind of mind. So embrace the work period in the spirit of the practice. And then to come and sit at 9, 9.30. The schedule for tomorrow and the ensuing days will be posted on the board. And I, I do hope that you rest well this evening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.